0: What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sports. Moke Davis here from the West Coast. I'm actually out in L.A., so of course that means I missed out on my chance to see Shohei Ohtani pitch against the Baltimore Orioles, which would have been great watching him pitch and bat. I know I'm I almost feel like I'm becoming like too into this. Gotta see Shohei Ohtani this season, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I did get to watch Dodgers, Padres, which was pretty cool. And I saw the Orioles snap their 19-game losing streak. But the U.S. Open is right around the corner, so joining me up next will be Washington Post Ava Wallace. We'll talk U.S. Open as we get set for the final Grand Slam in tennis. Will Novak Djokovic get the Grand Slam? Can't get the Golden Slam, but we'll talk to... Ava about that, and Naomi Osaka as well. A lot going on in sports. And I'm talking about on the pitch, on the field. Pac 12, what is going on? They stand pat, they don't want to pursue any expansion. You got Real Madrid trying to get Mbappe to come and play with them for $212 million. But if I'm, I'm Mbappe, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing rumors that he wants to leave. I'm like, why would you not want to play with Messi? You know, that would be like LeBron being like, I'm going to leave the Lakers because Anthony Davis isn't there. And I know Anthony Davis isn't on the level of Messi, but just like super teams getting together. PSG would have had a ridiculous team. And now Mbappe may leave. Manchester City, close to possibly signing Ronaldo. Say it ain't so. That's my brother's team. I am going to be so bummed out if he goes there. Chelsea can't get in the mix? Chelsea's got to get in the mix. Come on. Come on, he's got to get in the mix. But I'm excited. To see what happens on the pitch. See what player goes where. It's going to be a lot of fun. It really will be. Alright, coming up next. We're going to talk tennis. We're going to talk a lot of tennis. Ava Wallace has joined me in the past. And we're going to talk not just about the men's and women's draw. But we're also going to touch on Naomi Osaka. And Ava Wallace being a journalist. Her thoughts on... What a what a player of Naomi's caliber um, has to deal with, and her thoughts on where it was um, where it all went wrong because it's definitely is it's been a mixed bag of of feelings about what Naomi Osaka is dealing with with her mental health, but then also, you know, Being a superstar and what comes with being a superstar in the media. So we'll be right back with Ava Wallace from the Washington Post. All right, joining me now is the now, technically, her job is the Wizards beat reporter (laughs) for the Washington Post. It's Ava Wallace. But Ava, as we were about to start our conversation,
1: I totally forgot about the Olympics. Me too, it's it's out of my mind, no, I'm kidding.
0: (laughs) It it came and went, how was it for you that I didn't even think that in our conversation, we're gonna talk US Open, I know you covered tennis before, but the Olympics, what was that experience like for you?
1: It was honestly fantastic. It was like there was everything in the world could have gone wrong with COVID of it all, with the restrictions, with everything. But at the end of the day, it was still, especially after 18 months of being cooped up at home and covering things over Zoom, it was, I mean, it was beyond my imagination to get to talk to Olympians in person and watch people win medals in person. And there were no fans there. So it was like, you know, we had front row seats, to all of this really incredible stuff. And just the topics that, you know, the athletes were so opening up about mental health in the wake of the Simone Biles stuff, I got to see Naomi Osaka light the cauldron it was really really special I'm so I was really nervous beforehand going and I'm so glad I went and uh so
0: I have been actually I've been to two Olympics I went in Seoul and I went uh in Atlanta and it is a special moment that it's just it's out of this world how early did you go and set your schedule what you were going to be covering with your Washington Post counterparts and then just in
1: terms of the travel that is a really interesting question for this Olympics. so we actually set our schedule we went about i want to say five days early because we weren't sure if we were going to have a three-day hard quarantine in our hotel rooms not leaving anything for three days luckily literally the moment before our editor we went over in two two different flight ships the moment before our editor um, boards his flight, he gets an email from the Japanese government and the Olympic committee over there saying that our, our plan of action basically had been approved, which laid out all of the different sports we were going to cover day by day. So we were we were planned out from the very beginning and we did not have to quarantine. So we spent the first five days pretty much in the in the main press center there, which is in the suburb of Tokyo um, called Ariaki. Um, and it was like we have little kind of Sham office building set up so like we were right next to USA Today and across from the LA Times and down the hall from the New York Times, it was really cool to see all of these different reporters uh, in one place but so the first fourteen days, we could pretty much only go to our hotel rooms to that press center and then the venue where we were covering our event. So we couldn't like hop on the subway and explore Tokyo. yeah, um, and, and honestly it didn't it didn't matter at all to me. I mean, you know, I, I really towards the end, I was like, man, I gotta kind of get in some time to explore this incredible city. yeah, uh, but wow. i was I was so happy just bouncing around and I got to cover a different thing pretty much every single day. I did cover some tennis, I covered some basketball, but I also covered like, new slalom, and I got to cover the, the U.S. Women's National Team for soccer, which was amazing. It was really cool, really, really good stuff. Uh,
0: well, okay, um, you you did cover multiple sports. Um, what was, like, one of the favorite moments, not just of the Olympics, but something you personally were able to witness?
1: I, so what, <laughs> I think one of the things that sticks out most to me is going to be, so I covered two women's soccer games. I covered their um, match where they lost to Canada, which was incredible. It got yeah. knocked out of the gold medal match. And then I covered the bronze medal match. And I remember both times um, just talking to those women being like, oh, I get it now. Like they are all the personality that they were built to be like just incredible talkers. And, you know, everything like I, I was just thinking back to the breathless coverage they got for their World Cup run. And I was like, oh, it was totally like I, if I had been following them then, yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, I could I could talk to those women kind of all day yeah Um, Yeah. and I really I really loved you know I I love covering women's sports that's kind of my passion and I got I think I wrote about uh, the entire I must I think I wrote like 20 stories in in two weeks and I think I wrote about uh, one man by totally by accident just the kind of assignments that I gravitated towards but I wrote about Rui Hachimura because he was leading team Japan in their first olympics since 1976 the rest of the time, I, was, I just happened to be reporting on the women. Um, so yeah, it was, really cool. it was the first time that it was the first, you know, quote unquote, gender equal Olympics where there were 49 percent of the athletes were women. They had added a bunch of women's sports. So it was really, really cool to kind of cover the games for that aspect as well. And uh, as uh,
0: that was my next question was when you saw Rui, it was like, hi, Rui, you remember me <laughs> like it was, you know, was like a, a familiar face.
1: I actually I have the most embarrassing story. He did not recognize me because I had the last year co- I know. Well, Rui, Rui's kind of like that anyway, where he's very low key. He's not gonna get ex- so if he did, at least he didn't show it. But I'm like <laughs> the one the one English language reporter there talking to him. And I'm like, hey, Rui, and he's just like, hi. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this guy only recognizes my voice now. Like, oh my, it was so fun. I Just kept it moving. Like, all right, I'm not gonna make a thing out of this, but really yeah. after this. Like, oh man, yeah. training camp's gonna be rough this year.
0: <laughs> you do have a whole new team. I can't we'll, no. we'll get to that podcast later. Right, a, stat, right. a stat that I've read before will or not read, I actually did the math on it. The US men's national team, the average number of um international matches that they've played, or I guess I don't know if that's FIFA, UEFA qualifying matches, is like 16 is the average number of games for that team and the women's team was at a hundred like they, oh my gosh. they have played that many more matches at that level than the men's team and when I looked at that I was like okay well you can see how the women they're kind of on their way out in terms of they need some younger players and the men's transition. team, yeah that transition the men's team they're just growing there as their new model what is it like
1: move forward something something like that, like that. it's yeah. so funny that i mean it's it's honestly it's not dissimilar to the imbalance in tennis mm-hmm. it's that's so fascinating
0: yeah yeah okay so let's go to tennis we got the u.s open cover, cover which i can't believe that means you missed the city open because you were. At the i Olympic know the one Bravo. year rafael
1: nadal i know yeah. <laughs> you no know i was mad about that
0: he's never coming back he's never right. <laughs> back. that's that's it that's it but we we finally as we're recording this we just got through the draw um, Novak Djokovic it may have the hardest draw ever. They're making it very difficult. I'm, I'm not happy he didn't get the Golden Slam. I think it would have mm-hmm. been a cool story,
1: but. It would have been a really good story. Oh, it
0: would have been awesome. But what? And actually, I was at those Olympics in 1988 with Steffi Graf. She won the, the Golden <laughs> oh <gosh>. Slam, which <laughs> was amazing. But what are your thoughts so far when you saw the men's draw and Zverev is going yeah. to be right smack dab in the path of Novak Djokovic
1: coming off of a really big win in Cincinnati I thought that was really interesting and then of course you got Medvedev down there number two all the way at the bottom across from Novak so if, if those guys make it we could see a, a rematch of Novak's straight sets win and Australia this year I thought it was a really interesting draw for on, on both sides but especially yeah my, my eye went straight to kind of that Zverev lurking there waiting for Novak <laughs> it's be interesting for him. i mean i still just cannot in good faith say that he's i, I he's not gonna win you know I, I feel like Zverev could give him trouble might even knock him off but i just can't go into a, a grand slam especially saying that he's in trouble in any way i think it's going to be really interesting remember of course the last time i played the u.s open was a really big deal for novak so he's gonna have to answer questions about that throughout yeah. the whole you know we know how this works whenever uh, something big like that happens the tournament before Players spend the rest of the, the next tournament answering answering questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, knowing Novak and and how you know thoughtful and practiced he is, that he'll have things to say and he'll he'll be well prepared for that. But it is going to be an interesting return to kind of that moment where he accidentally struck the the lineswoman in, in the throat. It's going to be. Oh, I really hope we don't have to see that that clip replayed for two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, and and I know that you know he's not
0: necessarily. I wouldn't say he's not liked, but you know it really is a love hate relationship. It seems like with Novak mm. and, and fans, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond to him. Yes, he I is the favorite. Back this year, you're right. Yeah, it's it's going to be definitely different. And there's no Rafa, no mm-hmm. Roger Federer. And Novak has a chance, first time since Rod Labor to not only get the Grand Slam, but he gets to one up both Federer and Rafa if he wins, and he'll have 21 Grand Slams. Do you put him above above Rafa and Federer as the best player ever in tennis?
1: So it, that's such an interesting question because it's like, can I can I just say my my pick is Serena? <laughs> I have to take that cop out. No, <laughs> no but. I, I do think it's it's things it, it depends on how you define greatest of all time right like I think a lot of people would say most people would say Federer because he was the first you know Rafa was right after him but he had such an impact on people's love of the game and and how people viewed tennis and on the way we play tennis and then Rafa kind of came and did the same thing in a it, with a very different um almost opposing style I think I think Novak is the best of all time but I also think he benefits from having you know he was he was measuring always measuring his game to those two guys and saying here's what I need to do to beat them here's what I need to do the best so he had a rubric whereas I feel like I always think of it like Roger and Rafa kind of created the rubric and maybe Roger even a little bit more created it and so Novak was al- always had something to work against And I don't know which one's harder, trying to always beat Roger and Raffle or being the one who created the (laughs) entire measuring system. I do think think cultural impact matters so much. That's why I thought um, Sally Jenkins, uh, one of our columnists at the Post, had such a smart column today on why Margaret Court's record, you know, Serena owns the real record for for Grand Slams of all time and is the real goat and whatever like that. I thought that was, she made an interesting argument there because of the cultural impact and all of the other stuff and things like that.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because while I would use the argument that Serena is the best player ever, and I look at Margaret Court because of all of the Australian Opens that she won, that puts her up there. But at the same time, I feel bad because I don't hold that against Rafa. Mm. The number of French Opens that he's won. I mean, was it uh, nine? Nine?
1: Yeah so the difference between for me I think the difference between and I, I totally agree with you where I don't I don't hold that against uh Rafa at all but he was also playing against full fields and Margaret Court was playing Australia in ages when nobody mm-hmm. really went to Australia you know like yeah just yeah played that a handful of times I think Chris Everett played like six times in her entire career so and something I didn't even know but that I read in, in Sally's column today I didn't know that um Court got a walkover in two of her finals. She didn't have to compete two full finals and Serena's won won every single final. I had never heard that. Wow. Interesting.
0: Wow. Okay. You know what? You know the competitiveness of Serena. is still going to eat at her if she does not have the number.
1: It it really is. And it's so funny. I love, we asked her this um, over Zoom last year at the U.S. Open, you know, which is the I I loved her answer, which is cracked everybody up she goes can i just go number one off like, can i just say jesus <laughs> just like, like totally unexpected and she was she like panned it was perfect delivery serena can be really funny when she
0: yeah and it. unfortunately serena is not participating this year due to a hamstring injury uh, and venus is out now. yeah yeah and venus is out and then she and venus had the funny line about now she can go date
1: she can find, you know, (laughs) just any eligible. Any eligible bachelor. (laughs) You see Venus on the prowl. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy. But I
0: also, you know, you talked about uh, Novak Djokovic and the uh, hitting the lines judge. And Mm -hmm. then unfortunately, when I think of U.S. Open and I think of Naomi Osaka, I go right back to the debacle in the final with Serena Williams and the referee. And it's just like, now Naomi dealing with what she's dealing with, with her mental health will still have to think about that and go into this tournament with
1: probably questions about it as well. For sure and, and I wonder if and I know she will definitely play long enough to outlive that certainly because you remember Serena's had blow ups at the US Open specifically before her entire Absolutely. career and so it comes up every now and again but it's no longer like the first thing I think about with Serena it's nice that Naomi, for, for Naomi, that she has kind of the win, the, the second U.S. Open title to hopefully bring in some good memories with that too. But yeah, she's in a really interesting place. I mean, we saw her in the press conference ahead of um, playing in Cincinnati get very emotional over pretty, pretty standard questions for the press. And I know her agent gave a, a comment to the New York Times calling the the uh, reporter asking questions, of bully, but it really, you know, they were pretty standard questions and, you know, how are you feeling with the earthquake in Haiti and how are you feeling with your relationship with the press? I didn't detect any malice. I've talked to a lot of reporters who were kind of in the press conference there. She said she wanted to go to the press conference. She did stop and talk to us in the mixed zone two times at the Olympics. I don't think she's um, wary or at least she's not presenting as if she's wary of facing the press anymore, but I, it was, um, it was kind of you don't often see players grow that it's not super unusual but it, it's not you know every day that you see players grow that emotional in uh in press conferences so it was it would be interesting to know what she's thinking in her mindset heading into this tournament and,
0: and mm-hmm. even then i imagine it's so much on her. You know, you were you were at the yeah. Olympics and it, it was sad when I saw her lose in the third round in the Olympics. It's just like, oh, you know, I thought that was going to be a moment for her to win that gold medal. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And then on the flip side, I feel like the interesting thing is Ashley Barty's almost quietly just the number one seed and just yeah. winning tournaments. And she's all of the attention is on Naomi for better or for worse. And Ashley's draw... She's got a
1: good draw to be able mm-hmm. to get to the finals. I, she really does. And I was looking, you know, she's got a couple of, a couple of uh, folks in her way. So Cerebus Tormo is the, the uh, woman, the Spanish player who knocked her out of the Olympics. But also that was like, what, something like two weeks after she won Wimbledon. So she, yeah. she might have been a little tired out there. Um, she's got Jen Brady and, and Jessica Pagula, too really fun young Americans to keep an eye on um, that I just really love watching compete at the U.S. Open. And I, I think they're on track to each other mm-hmm. are you, are in the same quarter or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I would say that Ash, especially she looks so strong having, just like Zverev, she won the title in Cincinnati. She looks great. But you know you know as well as women's tennis is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and anybody could upset anybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if we lose like six seeds in the first two rounds and I would absolutely not be surprised kind of like Novak she's got some, um, some trouble lurking in her quarter but she would she would be my pick she just looked so strong and so fit and kind of rolling really well into hardcore season from grass um I I
0: think that Naomi Osaka's draw in my mind is harder than Ash Barty's If nothing else, also, because I think about Victoria Azarenka being on her side, I feel like she's a sleeper, an old veteran who isn't going to be intimidated by Naomi. And if anything, is trying to prove something herself after,
1: you know, she kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, Okay, let's talk. Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say she's, she's definitely going to want to get that rematch, too, that she lost in the final last year. She was a setup, so yeah, don't count beak out. No,
0: and, and if they do meet, it would be uh, in the semifinals, which would be quite interesting. Okay, let's. Who who is your pick to win on the men's and women's side in the U.S. Open?
1: So definitely going with Novak. I don't know how you could count him out. (laughs) Especially knowing he's so aware of the records that he's going. I mean, not dissimilar to Serena. He knows what he's going for and what he's playing for. And I feel like it's not going to be anything like last year where he allows himself to slip up like that. Now, he's an emotional guy, so you never know. But I feel like uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is on his absolute best behavior just mowing through the draw on this one, at least until he gets to Zverev. I'm going to say... I think I'm going to say Ash is my favorite. How boring is that? The two number wow. one seeds, <gasps> right? One but seed. I, yeah. I mean, it would be fantastic for her to follow up that that Wimbledon run that she had this summer with U.S. Open. And she just looked so confident in Cincinnati mm-hmm. and really strong and just not letting anybody kind of throw her off her game. Grand slams are different, of course. Um, two in one year, especially back-to-back, is, is quite a feat. But um, it would be – I just can't think of anybody right now who could kind of trip her up on hardcore the way she was playing all right i'm
0: gonna be a little bit of a contrarian please do Um, my worry is that because of the way remember how bad and you were there novak performed so awful off the court after he lost the olympics quitting on in the um in the doubles match mixed doubles and you know just really, I felt like he fell apart and the pressure mm-hmm. was getting to him to get the Golden Slam. I think the pressure will get to him to get Ooh. the the Grand Slam. And I think this is Alexander's vera of year at plus 700 to win on the men's side. And on the women's side, I agree with you. I think Ash, all of the attentions on Naomi Osaka, I think mm-hmm. Ashley Barty has played so well and she's got an opportunity where she doesn't have the pressure on her. And I think she will win uh, the the women's side, the U.S. Open.
1: Now, you know, I'm I'm drafting you right now. If, if Vera wins, you got to write all the stories about how the, the new era has arrived for men's tennis, okay? I'm <laughs> yes, not doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> You're not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it four times before. <laughs> yeah, between that and golf, how many
0: times you hear, it's, oh, uh, Tiger Woods era is over. It's another Changing young player. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. It never happens. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, let's enjoy the U.S. Open. I will enjoy it. And we'll catch up closer to
1: start a basketball season. Sounds good. It's coming up soon. So I'll talk to you soon. It is. Bye. Ava. Bye-bye.
0: Ava Wallace is great. I had a wonderful time chatting with her. I really can't believe I, you know, it was like the Olympics never even happened. And the Paralympics are going on right now. It was, it came and went. And I just totally skipped over it until she brought it up. So that was cool she brought it up. I'm very happy about that. And good to talk to her about her experience. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, last thing I'm going to talk about is going back to COVID. And the report came out that the NFL is proposing an increase in their COVID testing for vaccinated players because of the surge around the country and the teams dealing with a cluster of cases of the coronavirus. Players and coaches are all sidelined. And I'm really worried, y'all. I'm really worried. No, none of us want what happened when we lost sports in 2020. We had the bubble. But with this new NFL season and the league wanting to move testing for vaccinated players to once every seven days instead of every 14 days. The Players Association has been pushing for daily tests for vaccinated and unvaccinated players. NFL General Counsel Larry Ferrazani said, quote, That is based on our best effort to render the safest possible environment for our players, end quote. Then the NFLPA countered with, quote, The COVID environment is constantly changing and our success last year was built not only on a foundation of cooperation, but more importantly on listening to our experts. It is clear with what we know about the Delta variant and with what we have seen already with clubs, testing needs to be a greater focal point. The problem for me about it being a greater focal point lies with the players that are not vaccinated. That's where it lies. And we don't know all of them. You know, Cam Newton has been kind of, how should I say, uh, Using an interesting choice of words when he it was found that he wouldn't be able to play this weekend. Two prominent players, when it comes to not wanting to get the vaccine is Buffalo Bills receiver, who I've talked about before, Cole Beasley, and also Isaiah McKenzie. And now they've both been fined for COVID-19 protocol violations. McKenzie even tweeted out a image of the letter he was sent by the NFL. He was fined over $14,000. He said, quote, they got me. At NFL, you win. No, it's not at NFL, you win. Let's not do that. We're doing this for the greater good of the public. Your teammates. The coaches. The staff. Behind the scenes. The staff that are close to you. The staff you don't know that are in the stadiums. The fans. And that's where I feel like the narrative has to change. And even for the NFL to say, oh, well, we'll we'll move it to seven days. No, it's NFLPA saying daily testing. That sounds like a better plan to me. Especially when you think about, yeah, you know, the NFLPA and NFL don't always agree. And in this case, they don't necessarily agree either. But I like where the NFLPA is going. The only issue is what do you do about the unvaccinated players? And you don't want to do a bubble. You don't want to keep the players away from their families. But the bottom line is realistically, the only way to beat this is probably to go back to that. And that's a scary proposition. So we're in this boat where we're trying to move slowly. Slowly. We're moving an inch forward instead of just making a decision. Yep, we got to go in the bubble. If you're not vaccinated, I feel like there's a good chance that they would have to say you can't be in the bubble until you get vaccinated. So they're going to have to have these players that show proof of being vaccinated. Should they go that route, which I think might is not might is the best solution. especially when you have players that are very combative about taking the vaccine that are really, you know, pushing back. Cole Beasley tweeted when he saw Isaiah McKenzie's tweet. Don't worry. They got me too, but I was wearing a mask when I was in close contact with fully vax trainer who tested positive and still got sent home. So what's the point in the mask anyways? Meanwhile, I'm here still testing negative and can't come back. Make it make sense. Wearing a mask makes sense, makes a lot of sense. Don't try that, Cole Beasley. Don't try to say there's no point in wearing a mask. One, you're not gonna win that battle with the public. Two, I think you're wrong, you're wrong. It's going against all guidelines from the CDC, federal government, state government, local government, companies, governments around the world. No, we all at least need to wear a mask. And you're not cooperating. So you shouldn't be around the other players. You're hurting the team. You could get everybody sick. Someone could die. Now, if you want to die, as Kirk Cousins said, I don't want to say go right ahead, but if you want to risk that, then you should be able to do that on your own, but not around other people that don't want to do that. That's where it's unfair. You don't get to pump out your chest and just walk around like, yeah, I ain't getting vaccinated. So what? I'm me, not when the safety of others are at stake and you cannot be that selfish. And that's what I think it boils down to is the selfishness of people to not think about the greater good. And I hope that not just in sports, but all around the world, in our country, that people can find a way to come to their senses about this. There are so many other vaccines that we have all taken. I'm sure Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie are no strangers to needles and inject themselves with all kinds of drugs to make them be able to play on Sunday. So don't tell me you don't take stuff that you don't know what it will do to your system. You've been doing it for years. Now, all of a sudden, you want to take a stand. I don't like it. I don't like it. And it's tough because then again, you turn around, you say, that's where we live in America. You have a right to make a choice. I just don't agree with the choice. I just don't agree with the choice. I do agree this was a good show because Ava Wallace came on. I want to thank Ava Wallace for coming on Just for Sport. She is a wonderful writer for the Washington Post. You can check her out this upcoming NBA season as she will be the beat writer for the Washington Wizards. But, you know, if you want to look at her stories from the Olympics, she talked about how, you know, much of a fan of women's sports and women athletes She is, and she does some wonderful stories on the Olympics and and coverage of it from the female athlete perspective. Enjoy your weekend of sports. U.S. Open starts on Monday. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the day I get to see Shohei Otani pitch and bat. It may have to wait till next season. We shall see. But I'm going to enjoy my sports weekend nonetheless. Ciao for now.